Hallelujah. So good to be back uh, online this Wednesday as we prepare our hearts to receive from the Lord. What an honor, what a privilege to be here in these last days. Let's worship him who's worthy. Hallelujah. Glama separate casta placanda, mama katukuru sepelienti. Oh, we worship you. Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the mighty Holy Spirit whom you gave us to live on the inside of us, to live big on the inside of us, who never leaves nor forsakes us. We're so grateful that the Holy Spirit is our friend, our comforter, our guide, the great teacher. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you. And we yield to you right now. Hallelujah. Semarokola bakate kalanta. Mondori pazi barakas to preshipele de berekeste yena. Oh, we give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you thanks, our Father. We give you thanks today. Sonombre pitelo kumosto prezipele te kebaruku. Mono kupra kazikereste presimita kalajara. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Blessed be your holy name, Mashundo Rematama Sapraliste Feselito Mukusto. Hamasuro Kunta Brazili Medeli Jembre, Lamokomas Kemeli Babrante Felidoro Sepaprasa, O Manteli Boso Prelite Belite Casta, Hamadoko Rekeste Feliente Kebreste. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Romo Sapramba Sepele Vita Pele Juro Kusunto. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Marusko mukoborose periste kebelite beleje de keste. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lopokusto kurienti. Father, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify your name in all the earth. Glorify your name. Glorify your name. Glorify your name in all the earth. Jesus, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify your name in all the earth. Glorify your name. Glorify your name. Glorify your name in all the earth. Spirit, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify your name in all the earth. We glorify your name. Glorify your name. Glorify your name in all the earth. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of the living God. Blessed be the name of the Holy One. 
We worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Precious Lord Jesus, we are grateful. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah for life and breath and all things. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Hallelujah, we trust your tender mercies. We trust your loving kindnesses today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Blessed be the name of the living God. Blessed be the name of the living God. Thank you for answering our prayers. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the mercy and the grace that's available to us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We call every need met, every yoke destroyed, every burden removed. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's uh, open up our Bibles today to the book of Corinthians, the first book of Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, let us see some amazing yet clear things written there. In the first verse, he says, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Thank God that uh, Paul knew who he was as he grew and matured and uh, began to bear the Christ around. He referred to himself as a minister or a servant of Christ, a steward of the mysteries of God. And he went on to say, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Hallelujah. And uh, this was supposed to be his reputation among men or people. He said, let a man so account of us as ministers of Christ, stewards of the mysteries of God. Hallelujah. So you can see here that this is uh, what he wanted to be known as. And he puts it there as a, a plural account of us. So others who were like him also. And then he goes on to say in the third verse, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment, yet I judge not mine own self. Hallelujah. Here you notice that even though he would like to be known by men uh, as a certain uh, type or character or person. He says he's a servant of Christ. Yet he says uh, it's a very small thing that he would be judged of others or man's judgment. In other words, for him, what people thought about him was not really a big deal. He did not consider it anything. Praise God. He said it's a small, very small thing that I should be judged of you or man's judgment. But that doesn't mean he, he's not uh, worried or conscious of God's judgment. He says, yea, I judge not mine own self. And he goes on, for I, notice, I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. So he is conscious of the Lord's judgment and he says even his own judgment of himself may not be that accurate. But there is one that judges him and that is the Lord. 
and he would like to find himself um, proper and in place under God's keeping eye or scrutiny. Hallelujah. Very interesting thoughts that go with uh, maturity and development in the Lord. Hallelujah. Maybe we can hear some of these verses in Canada also. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1 to 4. Ubbanu Nammanu Kristana Seva Karentalu Devara Marmagada Vishedali Manevate Varentalu Yenisali. Higiralu Manevate Vanu Nambigastanagi Kanduvaru Vadu Avashavagide. Nanagadaru Nimindagali Manushara Nyaya Vicharane in Dagali Nanagan Yaya Vicharane Aguvadu Atilpavagide. Haudu Nanu Nananu Vicharisikuluvadilla. Nane Nanagi Yenu Tiriadavanagi Dene Adagyu Adarinda Nanu Nitivantanagalilla Nananu Vichari Suvatanu Katane. He's saying it's a very small thing, in fact, he's not comparing it to any great amount at all. It's very small. Very small thing with him that he should be judged of others. But that does not mean he is not observing his own life, but he's careful. And that the Lord judges all of us. Verse 5 continues, Therefore judge nothing before the time, until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. Hallelujah. Notice he begins to say there that God will judge everything and then make everything manifest. For what? To praise men or to, you know, honor us. Hallelujah. It's an interesting thought there that God would like to give us our true praise, our true worth, uh, even though we are not looking for praise from men, we are looking for praise from God. Hallelujah. We are not worried, therefore, whether man lifts us up or puts us down. Because the ultimate one who will give us our true praise and honor will be the Lord. Hallelujah. And so particularly as we live in these times where, you know, uh, anybody can tell that these are the last days. Comets on their way, uh, meteors on their way, all kinds of disasters on the earth. I'm telling you we are living in those days. Hallelujah. And so it is better to prepare our hearts for the ultimate check and counsel of God, where He uh, manifests the counsels of the heart, what actually went on in our deep thoughts, our purposes, our intentions. Amen? And this is uh, the thinking of the mature, and Paul had come to a place where he was saying that the Corinthian church was... Acting immature, he could not speak unto them as unto mature, as, but he spoke to them as mere men. And thank God we have to grow out of these things and come to a place where, uh, you know, what man says in praise or in condemnation of us does not really matter. Hallelujah. And we are more conscious of God uh, checking our hearts our motives, and living like that would be uh, the right kind of life for the mature. Hallelujah. Praise God. I think we did verse 4 also in Canada. Let's hear verse 5 and uh, 
go on. Praise God. So that is definitely a mark of one who is maturing, who is growing up, developed, mature, that he's conscious of the word of God, the spirit of God, doing the actual unveiling of our thoughts and counsels. And so you're not really uh, moved by people and their praise or their um, censure, amen, or condemnation. Hebrews 4.12, talking about the word of God, says, For the word of God is quick, King James, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Praise God. Here you see that uh, the the Word of God is such a deep, penetrating uh, instrument that it goes between the dividing line of soul and spirit all the way to separate our soulish thinking from our spirit man and uh, the counsels that are from our soul and our spirit can be separated by the word of God and discerned and he can know our thoughts, our deep thoughts and intentions. So this is... um, supposed to be our life, that we are so full of God's thoughts, God's words, that it uh, judges our thoughts, and um, we are watching our thoughts under the scanner of God's word. Hallelujah. Then he goes on in verse 13, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto him, or unto the eyes of him, with whom we have to do, or the one that we eventually have to uh, speak with, hallelujah, and account to. Praise God. We will give an account of every word and even the deep thoughts, the counsels of the heart. It's quite a sobering thought. Praise God. And we have to stand before him one of these days, and then we will get our true praise and honor. Hallelujah. Let's hear also Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Interesting how all of these are uh, here, plainly written. Praise God. In the 12th chapter of John, Jesus also makes a similar statement. In verse 47, he says, If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Then he continues, this is when he was here on the earth. 
He that rejected me and receiveth not my words has one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. Praise God. So here we have someone who is God himself, but um, having to be, in quote, disguised in flesh like us. However, growing in the nurture of the word, in the admonition of the word of God, developing, maturing, he has come to a place where he can listen and judge clearly and speak only what God says to him, what his father says to him. And therefore he could say, what I'm speaking is his word and therefore that word will judge the individual. Praise God. Very interesting thought there. And uh, we have to realize that we are all going to face the word. So our handling of the word is very important. Our handling of the truth and the move of God in our hearts is very important. Praise God. Let's also maybe hear verse 47 and 48 out of John 12 in Canada. Amen. So if we can be conscious of these things, uh, it will aid our growing up, our maturing, so that we don't think like mere men who are basically concerned about what men or man's judgment is about their lives. The more you mature, the more you uh, develop, you do not weigh yourself or uh, judge yourself according to man and uh, their way of thinking, but rather you allow the word to be your judge, the spirit of God to be your judge, and you do not even trust your own judgment. You eventually only trust God as the final authority. Praise God. All of this is uh, to remind us that we are maturing and called to mature. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I will turn into Romans, the 15th chapter here also. And uh, notice verse 1, he says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Praise God. This is the uh, way of the mature, those that are strong. They have a duty to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please themselves. Isn't that interesting? So you can see here that it's well laid out and Paul includes himself there and he says we. So he counts himself as a mature person and that is strong and therefore he's under obligation to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please uh, himself. Praise God. This is vital and important, therefore, for those who want to mature, those who uh, want to grow. And that is the normal way of um, thinking, that you want to mature, you want to develop. You don't want to remain as a baby. 
Otherwise, there's something wrong and you are stunted and you are held bound by uh, one form and one level of growth. Praise God. Let's hear Romans 15 and verse 1 also in Canada. Hallelujah. You can see that uh, it must be clearly written also at least more than one place, two or three witnesses. In Galatians 6 it says in verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, mature, grown up, and so on, you know, developed in the things of the Spirit, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You can see the same kind of spirit and thought there, that uh, rather than remaining as a babe all the time, uh, we need to desire to become not just carnal, but spiritual. And this is what a spiritual person does, that they help restore others. We help others bear their burdens and fulfill the law of Christ or the law of the anointing. And we are conscious that we are here to fulfill that law. Isn't that interesting? We are not here to just fulfill our own desires, uh, which may be against God's word, but to fulfill the law of Christ, the law of the anointing, which is to help others bear their burdens. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So you can see it is a family that is going to eventually realize that we are going to be forever together. Hallelujah. In, in heaven and in the new heaven and earth also. Praise God. And the earlier you recognize that and realize that, the more mature you're becoming. Praise God. And so you're not an island just uh, there for yourself. This is not just the work of some, in quote, but it's for everyone, and this should be natural ambition. We need to want this as our target, uh, because we want to grow normal and, uh, you know, not be abnormal in our spiritual growth. Praise God. So let's begin to see that as our target, not just to uh, drop it off for others and say, that's your business. This is... For all of us, all of us have to grow and develop, and this must be what we are shooting for, what we are aiming for. Hallelujah. Let's hear Galatians 6, verse 1 and 2 also in Canada. Praise God. There's a very clear uh, rendering there of those thoughts. Notice here uh, in verse 5, Let every man, for every man shall bear his own burden. Hallelujah. Uh, there is this thought that, okay, that's what you're supposed to do, so just help me, help me bear my burden. But then notice he says, everyone should also bear their own burden. <laughs> Praise God. So we are here in an interesting 
um, spiritual balance and clarity. Don't you just love the way the spirit and the word can be so clear and uh, balanced? You know, it's not absolving anybody of their own responsibility. Notice that. Everyone, every man shall bear his own burden. Praise God. Meantime, those that are mature are looking for ways to bear other people's burdens also. Hallelujah. So there is this uh, development where you get to a stage where you are bearing your own burdens and you have grown and developed to a place where you are able to access the grace of God and you are thinking this way and therefore you have developed and you're able to help restore and bear others' burdens also. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is interesting. Hallelujah. I think we have not read the fifth verse. Let's hear that also in Canada. Amen. So there is this target for which we should be all aiming because all of us are supposed to grow. You know, not some of us grow and others just remain babies for the, you know, complete Christian life. They're just babies constantly. No, there is supposed to be growth. There's supposed to be development. And so we should begin to shoot for this uh, and uh, desire this. Hallelujah. Uh, the amplified version of the fourth verse says, But let, let every person carefully scrutinize and examine and test his own conduct and his own work. Even though Paul said he did not trust his own judgment that God was the final judge, we are also allowed to carefully scrutinize and examine and test our own conduct, our own work, what we are doing, what we are thinking. He can then have the personal satisfaction and joy of doing something commendable in itself alone. In other words, if you do what you know uh, to do properly and you're doing it from examining yourself in the Word and, you know, in the Spirit, you can have a joy and a satisfaction. Amen. Notice that. Uh, commendable in itself alone without resorting to boastful comparison with his neighbor. So your satisfaction is not by comparing with others. <laughs> Your comparison is by checking your own heart against the way God thinks, against His Word, against the things of the Spirit, and then knowing I did it, and I chose properly, and therefore you get a satisfaction. Amen? Hallelujah. That's uh, nice, because we grew up in a world that is so fallen, that is basically a struggle like the animal kingdom, survival of the fittest. So your neighbor is not really there as someone who you're going to help and edify. Your neighbor is there as someone that you have to defeat and take his place and take his resources uh, so that the competition is narrowed. Hallelujah. That's the way the world looks at it. The world wants to reduce your opposition from your neighbor. And, um, you know, uh, you should be top dog. You should be... The number one people and others should be, you know, uh, nothing compared to you. That's the world. That's the way the world thinks. But here we have a family. Every born again child of God is your brother. Hallelujah. In the Lord. And Jesus is the eldest, the first begotten 
of the dead. And we were dead in sins and uh, we are now made alive by his life, by his resurrection. And we are new creatures in the spirit realm. And the old man is actually passed away. He does not exist anymore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. (laughs) The old man is actually dead. He does not exist anymore. So the new man is a brother. Hallelujah. And therefore, you know, the Bible does talk, you know, very clearly about the brother. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 11, he says, But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother, notice that, be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one not to eat. Praise God. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? But them that are without God judgeth. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Notice how he's talking to um, brothers. He says, I'm not talking to the world. I'm talking to the believer who says he's a brother. And if a brother is involved actively in all of these written things, fornication, covetous, idolatry, making trouble, a railer, a drunkard, extortioner, again and again, he is not uh, wanting to grow out of it. He says, you should generally let him be and uh, have no company with him. Isn't that interesting? So the brother is a very important person. And uh, something is expected from the brother. He's expected to grow. Amen. So we are in a family and we are brethren. We are a family. And this separation of brethren uh, based on what they do. Notice what they do. We don't know what they think. And so we cannot judge their thoughts But we can judge external things. And based on that external manifestation again and again, we can judge. And in the Corinthian case, they were really terrible. You know, 1 Corinthians 5 talks about a man who was sleeping with his, uh, you know, stepmother. And this is a church. I mean, there's some high levels of uh, rebellion. And the person was not even... Uh, So we can see the Corinthian church had some levels of rebellion and worldliness that it was even more than the world itself. The world would have been ashamed, you know, with itself in this kind of a character. But the church seemed like uh, they were able to tolerate it and uh, they were even proud of it. Paul says they were puffed up. They were not mourning. They were not crying about it. And so he had to give his own judgment there. And uh, he says in verse 4, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So there is an interesting aspect to uh, our spirit man. That our spirit man is saved and our spirit man is sealed and uh, is on his way to heaven. 
However, because of the flesh, we can also be so uh, derailed and out of the way that um, sometimes it's better to just die and go to heaven rather than continue to exist in a place where you are not walking that walk, you are not living that life. Hallelujah. And so Paul had this uh, judging or this responsibility. He said that he could give such a person or deliver such a person to Satan so that their body or their flesh would be destroyed. You know, maybe they'll be with a terrible sickness or something like that. And in that bed of affliction, they would cry out to God. Hallelujah. And so on. All these kind of thoughts. Thank God this person eventually repented in the second book uh, with a godly repentance, the Bible says. Amen. Hallelujah. I wonder how far we have gone in our Canada. Not yet. Did we do the 11th verse? No. Let's do uh, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11, uh, and all the way to 13 also in Canada. Praise God. So you can see for yourself in the second letter of Corinthians, he says, Paul was glad that there was repentance that things had changed on the behalf of that brother who was involved in that kind of life. Praise God. And um, thank God that it is possible. Hallelujah. He said he was filled with joy and uh, he was excited that this person repented, that he was very comforted in all of that. In the 8th verse of Second Corinthians 7, he says, Though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent though i did repent notice that for i perceive that the same epistle has made you sorrow though i mean sorry though it were but for a season now i rejoice not that you were made sorry but that you sorrowed to repentance for you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Then he goes on, For behold this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what uh, clearing of yourselves, yea, what judge, judge uh, I'm sorry, uh, indignation, uh, yes, what fear, yes, what vehement desire, yes, what zeal, yes, what revenge. In all things you, approved, you, you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. He said, though he had written strongly and the letter was tough, he was not sad that the letter was tough, but rather because of the repentance that took place 
and the joy that it produced because there was a godly repentance. Hallelujah. Godly sorrow produces godly repentance. Amen. So there is a part in us that has to become uh, affected onto sorrow with our conduct, with our lifestyle. We must not be excited and happy about our uh, being immature and fleshly and carnal, but we should be sorrowful about it. And we should desire to examine ourselves closely and then we can have joy that our lives are changing, that we are getting better, but not just compared to somebody else, but compared to the standard of the Word of God. And you can have a personal joy out of all that. Hallelujah. Praise God. So um, we are called to examine our individual lives in the light of the Word and get a joy from knowing that things are better. The climate of your life is far better than what it used to be and you are on that straight and narrow. You're moving along towards the target. Hallelujah. Praise God. So um, it's nice to see that this is the desire for the brethren, for every believer, not just just ministry people or people who uh, are supposed to be uh, mature. But all of us are called to do this. Amen. Because we are a family, we are brothers, and we do not exist on our own. We are being part of a body. Hallelujah. So this is for all of us. And so I would like to uh, encourage us to think like this more and more. Hallelujah. Let's hear this also in Canada. Second Corinthians, the seventh chapter. Uh, maybe we can hear verse 6 and 7 also first. Praise the Lord. So you can see here that that same letter that caused the change and transformation in their lives is given to us. And because it is by the Spirit of God, it has the same power within it. It's alive and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to penetrate into our thoughts, our desires, our intentions, and lay them bare, uh, you know, before we meet the Lord face to face, so that we prepare ourselves for great rejoicing, where we get our actual honor from the Lord. Hallelujah. So we can hear verse 8 also in Canada. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Very interesting. So sometimes we will be sorrowful and there should be a godly sorrow. And uh, it must be for the right reasons that we are expected to mature, we're expected to develop. And if we're not developing like that, we should be concerned and we should be sorrowful about it. Amen. And uh, we should make the adjustments. This is the right way of living. And then we can have joy because we made the adjustment. 
not because we are comparing ourselves to others, but from a personal examination. Praise God. Maybe we can hear verse 8 uh, all the way to 10 also in Kannada. Praise the Lord. So you can see the uh, essence of his heart there. He had a godly, fatherly looking uh, at their lifestyle and he felt for them and sometimes he had to be uh, strong in his delivery, but he was working with the Spirit of God to bring the result, which was a life that is changed, a life that is on target, finally on its way to a glorious judgment. Hallelujah. And there are some that had that attitude with him also, like Titus. He said he was so glad that Titus came and told him uh, that the changes have taken place. Hallelujah. Praise God. Notice there in verse 6. Nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Amen. That, notice, not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoice the more. In other words, Titus could see what had happened, the change that had taken place, and he brought that report uh, because he himself was comforted. Verse 13 says, We were comforted in your comfort, yea, and exceedingly the more joyed we for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you all. In other words, they had turned to such a level that they were now able to refresh another minister of the gospel from Paul's team. And they made him so excited because things had changed to such a degree. Glory to God. So that is our target. Uh, that is where we want to go because in the end we want to make sure that everybody has been restored. Everybody has been brought into that place where in eternity we have no regrets that we did the right thing. Hallelujah. So we are beginning to see the family in this, the household of faith in all of this. Amen. Maybe we can read um, verse 7 also, uh, verse 6 uh, in Canada also. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I'm glad we are Believers that are beginning to actually tread into such places and we are not competing with each other. We are actually wanting to bear one another's burdens and uh, you know, examine our own lives and have joy in ourselves because we are being checked and adjusted by the word of God. Let's read Galatians 6 verse 4 again. 
But let every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Hallelujah. So there is a joy that you can have from checking, testing your own work. Hallelujah. Praise God. So let's not be self-deluded and always patting our back and, you know, just encouraging ourselves falsely. But let us judge properly and then encourage ourselves. Amen. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> Glory to God. So there are some that, you know, they just want to go, oh, potter, potter, you're all right, you're okay. You're nalla mona, ni nalla mona. You know, like that, children have to be told again and again, it's all right, you're good, you're a good boy, you're a good boy. And that's great, you know, to some level. But when that child grows up, he, he must be able to see whether, was that just flattery? Were they actually telling me the truth? Or am I actually a nalla mon? You know, so we should grow to that place where we can tell whether people are just patting us on the back or whether from within ourselves we are actually where we ought to be. That self-judgment, that um, uh, checking is what we are concerned about. Hallelujah. Let's hear Galatians 6 verse 4 also in Canada. Praise God. And this is what we bring to the table of communion. Notice that the communion scripture was written to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You know, because they had all of this stuff going on. That uh, the communion meal was not just a wafer and a little uh, tot there, but it was more <laughs> of a meal and the character was coming out in the meal that they were ignoring each other and some were eating up the meal and not being bothered about others. Some got drunk uh, as though they didn't have food at home, etc. Those were the thoughts that Paul brought out and you can see um, that it was a family meal and people were being judged right there by their behavior at that table. How, you know, uh, they were ignoring others and just looking out for their own selves and, uh, you know, not bothered about anybody else. And he brought all that out and he said, now let us examine ourselves because for this cause many are weak and sickly and some even died. Isn't that interesting? That is the truth about the communion meal that we uh, maybe have to see more clearly that it was not just let's get it over with, I'm in a hurry, I need to go eat my biryani. Why are you just reading scripture after scripture? You know, so we want to do it on Wednesday and uh, rather uh, than just throw in a big message on communion there every Sunday. Hallelujah. But it would be nice if each day we thought about these things and considered it in the light of the word and examined ourselves and then took communion. Wow, what a change that would produce. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I will just take a small trip to 1 Corinthians 11 and, uh, you know, uh, read a line or two. Praise God. Very interesting stuff. If you will uh, look at it closely, I do not want a form, you know, I do not want a religion. I want the truth and the life that we are expected, right? If you have uh, any desire 
to be sincere with the Lord, I'm sure you will not be happy just to uh, be on the surface. You would like to get a little deeper than all of that. Hallelujah. So looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, notice, uh, you know, after talking about various superficial things, verse 21 or verse 20, when you come together, therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating every man taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in, or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So this is the actual thing that's going on. It's a big meal. And uh, everybody's there, and uh, they are eating. And it must have been quite a banquet for people to get drunk even, you know. Isn't that interesting? Uh, I guess that, you know, we may not want to read this in church sometime because there could be controversies about getting drunk and all of that. But we don't want to focus on that right now. Let's focus on the fact that it was a family and the people were concerned about themselves and not others. And that was not a good testimony in Paul's eyes. And it was not a good testimony in God's eyes. Hallelujah. And so he began to tell them that uh, you should examine yourself. You should check your own heart and judge yourself. Verse 28 continues, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Amen. After that examination, which should not take hours and hours, it should just be evident, okay, uh, I guess I'm just behaving like an animal. I'm just uh, natural. I'm just so carnal. I'm so meat-headed that I'm not thinking about anybody else but myself. Lord, I repent. You see, maturity is being able to pick out <laughs> the actual wrongdoing and repent and confess that. You know, that is maturity. That is growth. Uh, what you are repenting about has changed. <coughs> Excuse me. I need to drink some water on that one. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, you are not just generally repenting. Blah, blah, blah. For every thought, every word, every deed. Uh, but you are now looking more closely at your life and you are calling out things that you know are not right in the light of God's word. And you are repenting about that. And if someone were to hear your prayer quietly going on from your heart, they'll be like, wow, this man really repents. He really, this brother really checks his heart. This brother is really concerned. Or he's just so superficial. He does not want to, you know, enumerate anything. He does not want to deal with anything in his life. He's just throwing it out there in general can see that, right? He says, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh, condemnation is the word, to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, the fact that we are a family. Hallelujah. For this cause, notice, that's the reason, he says, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And that means the sleep of death. 
For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So, you know, it is better to judge ourselves than have an open door for the enemy and for all of that stuff to come upon us. Amen? Then we can live. Praise God. Then we can adjust. Glory to God. Notice verse 33. When, uh, wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So he's saying here, uh, you can eat at home so that you don't go and cause uh, scarcity when the family is eating together. Isn't that interesting? That, uh, you know, he would like the believers to give uh, space to each other and say, hey, no, you go ahead. Enjoy, you know, eat well. I've already eaten. Look at that kind of thinking. This is communion. (laughs) Of course, you're not going to say, you drink that little cup. You just eat that wafer, you know. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking deeper than that. He's talking about a meal and a thinking and an attitude where the biryani is there. There's a big chunk of lamb. And you're looking at it. It's so well cooked. And you're thinking, I better grab that before somebody else gets it. (laughs) Before the brethren come and take over this lamb, let me get it. You see, this is the pie that I've been waiting for. It's apple pie and ice cream, and it's going fast. So, brother, if you want, just go for it right now. Otherwise, you may not get it. Brother, so-and-so is here also, sister, blah, blah. You know how they like that. You see the attitude here? So he said, why don't you just eat nicely at home and then make space for them. Let them enjoy. You're not thinking about yourself. Very interesting. This is the mark of the mature, you know. Amen. To, to live like that. So this is a personal thing that each one will have to think about. Am I just like the world? Am I just thinking about myself? Or are we going to get to heaven and laugh about these things? You used to wolf it all down before anybody came because you knew. <laughs> and we would laugh. We knew. We saw what you were doing, brother. You kept the pie for yourself. You didn't want to share it. <laughs> and that person would be like, man. <laughs> so as you see the day of the Lord approaching, we make adjustments and say, Lord, that was not right. Honestly, phew, that attitude, it has to go. I'm really sorry about it. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. You can see that this is what it's all about. Because we are a family. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, let's read verse 20. Uh, there and verse 22. <laughs> Praise God. So that is the real attitude that we need to be repenting about, judging ourselves about and saying, no, I don't like this, Lord. That's not the new creature. That's the old man who was dead trying to surface there, you know, to show up again. And I need to keep him down 
and he's not going to rule my life anymore. And guess what happens? You enjoy another level of life and healing, restoration and blessing. Amen. You get joy in yourself. Ha, ha, ha. Glory to God. Notice that. Let's read verse um, uh, 28 also to 31 also in Kannada. So this meal was designed to heal us. This meal was designed to break us out of the death grip. Hallelujah. If this meal were treated properly, the result would be no weakness, no sickness, no death like that. You would live. Isn't that interesting? And so I guess the meal has not changed in its power because it's called the Lord's own supper. It is the meal that the Lord instituted which was uh, from the Old Testament Passover meal. They ate it and in hours they were out of bondage. They left Egyptian slavery and they were headed towards the promised land. It has not lost its power. It is supposed to be the body of the Lord and his blood. And therefore... It is not based on that aspect, but more on our heart aspect. The body and blood of the Lord has not changed. Praise God. It is brought to our remembrance by the word and our thinking. And this kind of conscience where we are checking ourselves personally, not trying to compare with others. And, but they did this and they are not bothered about anybody, so I'm cool. No, that's not our business. Our business is with the Word and the Lord and our personal lives because we desire to grow. Hallelujah. We want to mature and God wants to crown us and honor us on that day. Hallelujah. And we are actually a family. Isn't that interesting? Praise God. I believe we've read uh, verse 28 in Canada. Amen. And all the way to 31. Praise God. So let's not make it a tradition. Let's not just make it something like a token you add at the end of the service. But let this be the desire of our heart that we are looking forward to that day when we gather together as the body of the Lord. That each one of us is a part of that body. We are his body. And that one affects the other just like every part of our body affects the other. Just a little pain in one affects the rest of the body. And so our desire is for the individual life and also the collective corporate life. And where else will you see that but in the church? Hallelujah. So uh, we don't want to be regretting anything. We, we want to be joyful that we have examined our heart, we have checked our heart, and we can rejoice. Amen. Let's read Galatians 6. Verse 4 again, there's a thing about teaching which is uh, you see the glory and joy in repetition. But let every man prove his own work. That's Galatians 6 verse 4. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. 
Praise God. Isn't that interesting? I read from the message. It says, each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Each person must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 6 continues, be very sure now, you who have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity. See? Self-sufficient maturity. Maturity and self-sufficiency go together. You are not looking outside for sufficiency. You know how to get what God has given to you. To be sufficient from God. That you enter into generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have and experience. Praise God. So as you have checked your heart, checked your life like that, that was verse 5 we read, and then we read verse 6. Be very sure now, you who have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity, that you enter into a generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have and experience. This is the target of all of that making a careful exploration of who you are, the work you have been given, then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Interesting, isn't it? All these different versions bring things out and lead us to the target, which is you are thinking about others. You are thinking about those who have fed you, those who have built you up. You're not just thinking about yourself alone. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so um, we don't have to wind up an offering. We don't have to wind up a giving session. We don't have to start those generators again. That is already inside. And that is working in each person to a place where they're saying, I'm not just thinking about myself here. I want to be a blessing. I want to be able to share with others. Amen? Which is very risky when you look at it from the world's way. It's a very dangerous thing that you're doing because you are making, uh, you know, a nashtam and a kashtam for yourself. You are making no profit for yourself. You are here sharing with others. You are here giving to others. Oh, what a dummy. Hallelujah. But when you look at that from God's eye view, what's happening is that you are actually being the son of your father's family. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's hear uh, verse 4 all the way to 6 if we can in the Message Bible and look at it a little closely. Notice... Yeah. Praise God. Notice here how it just progresses. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. Who you are and the work you have been given. Oh really? I didn't know I had any work. I was already working. 
No, you have a work that has been given to you in God. You have to explore that, check it properly, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Hallelujah. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. So you have to come to a place where you're looking at yourself and saying, I'm not going to be soft with you here. I'm going to judge you properly. You're going to have to perform. <laughs> Amen. That's harsh, right? Trying to be honest with yourself. Verse 6. And continue uh, the, thought, the thought there, the pattern. Be very sure now, you who have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity. So not everybody's mature. Amen. It takes training and the result is that you are self-sufficient. You are not looking outside. You know how to get from God. Amen. Praise God. That is contentment. You are not basing your life on circumstances. You are not basing your life on what is going on in the world. You are basing your life on what God said. And God has the ability to cross over millions to reach you. Ha ha ha. When that man who was coming to worship in Jerusalem opened his Bible and began to read Isaiah 53, God had plans already with angels and rapturous carrying away of Philip to meet him on the road to uh, Gaza. Hallelujah. Isn't that interesting? Doesn't he know who is opening his Bible? With what heart he's opening his Bible? Does he know how to meet a person there? Does he know how to move heaven and earth to meet a person who is reading the Bible with a heart of thirst and desire? Yes. Whether you're a Jew or Gentile, whether you're a commissioner or just a plain student, Whatever you are, if your heart is open to God's word, he knows how to meet your need. Hallelujah. 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 That is self-sufficiency. Trusting God's sufficiency. My God shall supply all, all your need. Paul was convinced in his own life. And now he was talking to the believers. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The same person who has paid for everything. Of whose cup we drink, the cup of blessing. Of whose life we partake, the eternal life, the all-sufficient God's own life. Hallelujah. The father who cares better than any natural father. And he's saying... If your attitude is towards his family as brethren and you can judge yourself properly like that, you should be living the full life. Say amen, somebody. The full life has been given to us. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. It now begins to unveil itself in verse 6. Be sure, be very sure now, you who have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity, that you enter into a generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have and experience. 
Amen. Sharing all the good things that you have and experience. It's a family. It's actually a family. And you share your good things with your family. Isn't that interesting? That you have an experience. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. Notice the caution that comes there. What a person plants, he will harvest. person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God. Verse 8, harvest a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the work, do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Praise God. He's saying that you can be sure that you cannot fool God. Hallelujah. God has noticed it. Just like Paul noticed it. He said he was not there physically, but in the spirit he judged it clearly. And this was his way of looking at it. And he, he said that God was his judge. He said he did not even trust his own judgment that he used to look to God to judge him. So I believe that if we can lean on God, that you cannot make a fool of him. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Amen. This is God's way of doing things. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And you can get tired of that do-good scene. You would prefer the, you know, immature, fleshly way of doing it. That is how we were trained by the natural world. And so it becomes a burden to do good. That's why we don't do it automatically. So the next verse says, So let us not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that you can get fatigued doing good, but you can, you can get so thrilled doing bad. <laughs> it doesn't come naturally. It goes against the grain. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop. If we don't give up or quit. See God is seeing clearly what it is. Satan injected his nature into our flesh fallen nature. And that is trained in a certain way. And it gets his thrill out of doing evil. Of being selfish and self-centered and carnal. Amen. And now when it has to do good it's like a burden. Oh no I have to do the right thing. <sighs> It's like that. And, um, you know, praise God. That's what we have to deal with. But when we get to heaven, woo, it'll be so cool. Hallelujah. <laughs> we won't have the flesh to deal with. We won't have to make it a hard work to do the right thing. It'll just be there so plain. Hallelujah. Then he goes on in verse 10. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all. Oh, man, it's getting worse. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, mm, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people uh, closest to us in the community of faith. <laughs> Ooh, glory to God. 
thank you, Jesus. <laughs> uh, I guess something just got me there. <laughs> About the, the pain of doing the right thing. The hard work of doing the right thing is, is definitely <laughs> evident. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Let us not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. There is a harvest coming, my brother, my sister. Amen. But don't let your flesh stop you from receiving it. Amen. Don't give up. Don't quit. It's coming. It's coming. You're trusting God. You're trusting His Word. You're trusting the actions that were good Based on the word of God, you just decided to go. Even though it was against your natural nature, your carnal nature, you went against it to do the right thing. Oh, not just thinking about yourself, but, you know, desiring to grow up and mature. And the harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. You shared with, you know, all in the good things. And you gave to those who taught you. And all of those things which were like, oh. Can we not do this? But you did it. Amen. Hallelujah. And don't give up. It's coming. The harvest is coming. Praise the Lord. Let's see if we can hear um, verse 6 through to uh, 10 in Canada also. ವಾಕ್ಯದಲ್ಲಿ ಉಪದೇಶ ಹೊಂದುವವನು ಉಪದೇಶ ಮಾಡುವವನಿಗೆ ತನಿಗರುವ ಎಲ್ಲ ಒಳ್ಳೆಯವುಗಳಲ್ಲಿ ಪಾಲು ಕೊಡಲಿ ಮೋಸ ಹೋಗಬೇಡಿರಿ ದೇವರು ಪರಿಹಾಸ್ಯ ಮಾಡಲ್ಪಡುವಾತನಲ್ಲ ಯಾಕಂದರೆ ಮನುಷ್ಯನು ತಾನು ಏನು ಬಿತ್ತುತ್ತಾನೋ ಅದನ್ನೇ ಕೊಯ್ಯಬೇಕು ತನ್ನ ಶರೀರದಿಂದ ಬಿತ್ತುವವನು ಶರೀರದಿಂದ ನಾಶನವನ್ನು ಕೊಯ್ಯುವನು ಆದರೆ ಆತ್ಮನಿಂದ ಬಿತ್ತುವವನು ಆತ್ಮನಿಂದ ನಿತ್ಯ ಜೀವವನ್ನು ಕೊಯ್ಯುವನು ಒಳ್ಳೆದನ್ನು ಮಾಡುವುದರಲ್ಲಿ ಬೇಸರಗೊಳ್ಳದೆ ಇರೋಣ ಯಾಕಂದರೆ ನಾವು ಮನಗುಂದದಿದ್ದರೆ ತಕ್ಕ ಸಮಯದಲ್ಲಿ ಕೊಯ್ಯುವೆವು ಆದ್ದರಿಂದ ಸಮಯವಿರಲಾಗಿ ಎಲ್ಲರಿಗೆ ಒಳ್ಳೆಯದನ್ನು ಮಾಡೋಣ ಮುಖ್ಯವಾಗಿ ವಿಶ್ವಾಸದ ಮನೆತನದವರಿಗೆ ಮಾಡೋಣ that's got to be the most i've laughed on any wednesday praise god so sunday we do laugh quite a bit but wednesday usually it's not that praise god going now to romans 15 notice there Verse 2 says, Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. We're not saying it is easy. Jesus struggled with it. He prayed three times. To do something that was not for his good really... if you looked at it it was about the family bringing many sons to glory and uh, it was hard he himself you know bore it he he bore it in his own body as an altar on the tree there he pleased not himself were you pleased with that he said no i was not pleased in fact it was so hard for me i tell you my sweat turned into blood that was how hard it was for me but finally i just decided that i would do it he did not please himself 
So who did he please? Somebody else. As it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. So you're the one that's the, in quote, the loser that's bearing on the behalf of others. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Hey, we're learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. These things are written to us and eventually they will comfort us and give us a future and a hope. And say, don't worry, there's a good thing coming. Hallelujah, you can do this. Now the God of patience and consolation or comfort grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Amen. So this is written to all of us. We now begin to look at each other and begin to yield uh, to their benefit more than ours. Praise God. That you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That one. Oneness. So they are encouraged. You are encouraged. Together we can glorify God. Hallelujah. Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Glory to God. So we are simply following the greatest example of all. Jesus Christ. You can see it is truly a life of sacrifice. And the flesh and parts of our life will not like it. It's, it's not going to be fun. But thank God uh, the mature will look at it as fun. And train themselves accordingly. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord Jesus. Now in the Romans 15 uh, chapter there. Going down talking about how Jesus came not just for Jews. But also for Gentiles. He continues to speak and then he comes to verse 14 and tells them uh, what kind of church they were. He says, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. In other words, they, this was a church that knew stuff. And they were quite full and they knew how to minister to each other. Scripturally, word-based, they could teach each other. They were able to communicate things with each other. They were quite a nice church from that kind of writing. Nevertheless, verse 15, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort, as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. He says, if you looked at it, you guys can teach each other. You really don't need me. But I have a certain grace, he said, that has been given to me. And that is, I am operating in that grace. So every individual believer can minister and teach and ought to and be able to bless others. But there is a grace given to people who are called into that ministry as a life and a full-time call. He had that grace. That I should be the minister, verse 16, of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. Amen? So he's talking about a peculiar ministry grace that he had 
that they had gotten to a place where they could minister to each other. Everybody knew what they were being taught and they could understand and they could flow and edify each other, build up each other. But then he said, I have a particular grace to minister to you. Amen. The minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. For what? That the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. What is the offering up of the Gentiles? It is their life given to God as an offering. Hallelujah. Set apart by the Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. He said, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. He says, as far as what God has given to me, I can now rejoice that God gave me these things to edify and to build up his people. Praise God. It's not something that I worked, but the grace that God gave to me. Amen. So there are graces given to individuals to minister uh, in the capacity of the full-time, called, chosen ministry uh, gift. Hallelujah. And that is a grace that God alone can give. And what it should do is to produce people who are an offering to the Lord that is specially uh, worked by the Spirit of God that pleases God. And God smells it and says, oh, that life pleases me. Those people, that church, they, they just bless me. That they're acceptable. Hallelujah. They're a good offering to the Lord. Doesn't it sound like Romans 12? That when that offering of the man was given from, you know, the laying of his life as a sacrifice, it would produce a sweet smell and an acceptable offering to God. Amen. And so this is all in the Roman, you know, writing. That it was logical. It was the normal thing to do. It was just reasonable. Because even though we are kings, we are also priests. And for a priest, the logical thing to do is sacrifice. Hallelujah. It's a logical thing. You're a priest. How many priests in the house? All of us. You're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. Hallelujah. And so we can see that this thing is not just written to our flesh. No, no. It's written to the true person. Who we really are. We are kings. We are priests. We are the family of God. We are his own new creation. And now we have an old nature that has to be offered as a sacrifice. And it will squirm and fight and kick. And it has to be offered again. Every day. And he will resist and decide not to be offered. And it will cause headache and trouble. And thank God we can repent. And we can say, Lord, I thank you for mercy. I thank you for grace. I thank you for helping me to offer this as a sacrifice to you. Which is a living sacrifice. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. This is a different stage. You see, these people now know what to teach, what to preach to each other. They're so cool, they can preach to the pastor. Amen. Hallelujah. They know they are at that level. 
Now he's telling them, but there's a sacrifice. There is a grace given by which the person that is a minister in your midst ministers to you. Praise God. And that grace is given to him so that each one becomes a good offering to the Lord. Amen. Can you see all of that coming together now? Let's see if we can read a thing or two. All right. Let's go to, um, I think we read verse 8 or so. No. All right. Let's see. Mm. Yeah. Let's see if we can read verse 5 and 6 in Canada first of all. So in the midst of all of that individual burden bearing where your own life has to be dealt with, we also look for grace and help to minister to others. And be a blessing to them also. And then there are those who have a grace to minister as a life uh, calling. All of us are in the full time. If you're a believer, you are a minister of reconciliation. You have the gospel. You're supposed to make disciples. Not for yourself, but for the Lord. And, you know, lead them in the path that is of the Lord. Hallelujah. And this church had gotten to that place where they knew how to minister to each other, you know, and they could teach each other and so forth. Let's hear verse 13 also in Kannada. Amen. So he was talking here about so many uh, overloads of joy and hope being put into them again and again, again and again. Did you notice that? He kept talking about how God was full of comfort and hope and joy to be able to load them with it. And then he talked some more about them. Verse 14, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge. Filled with all knowledge? It's either true or it's a paka lie. Filled with all knowledge? Really? Wow. It's actually all knowledge. Able also to admonish one another. So they knew. They were able to admonish and build up one another. Hallelujah. Praise God. Nevertheless, in 15... Brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort. Why? Putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. He said, but I still have grace. And I want you to know that. To minister some things to the body. Hallelujah. Amen. Now you guys are full of knowledge and all goodness. And you can preach to each other and preach yourself happy. And you can say, we don't need elders, we don't need pastors. There are some churches like that. They don't, they don't need any of that because they know so much. And they can just sit together with a laptop and just generally be a blessing. And it's true. And it's real. It's, it's happened. This is written, you know. But he said, no, I want to remind you, he says, more boldly I want to tell you that I have a grace that God has given. And he did. He had that grace. 
putting you in mind, you know, reminding them. In other words, it's possible for them to get to a place where they thought, mm, we're great now, we don't need that kind of ministry. Putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. That I should be the minister of Jesus Christ, the servant of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. Ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Amen. So he was called to the Gentiles and he loved the, the Jews so much that he would go to them first and get properly thrashed and continue <laughs> with the Gentiles and still get beaten by his own people. But his main call was to uh, produce an offering to the Lord out of the Gentiles. And the grace was there. He says in verse 19, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, you see, there has to be the reality of the Spirit of God with mighty signs and wonders. The power of God. Even though you could be happy just teaching uh, plainly with nothing, preaching plainly with nothing, there has to be the reality of signs and wonders and the power of the Holy Spirit. There must be. Amen. And that is our desire, to agree with these things. And not just be happy at some level, but to have a complete, actual ministry. Look at verse 19 again. Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum, which is supposed to be, uh, you know, a place today that has nothing to do with that name. Uh, it's in the communist block, east, you know, eastern communist block there, uh, Bulgaria. So he, from Jerusalem to Bulgaria, he preached. Notice, he says, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And the meaning of the word fully preached is with all of its power. That is where you get the word full gospel from. Amen. So we are a full gospel people. This is our desire. Hallelujah. This should be the desire of every one of us because Jesus gave it to us in the sending and said, In my name, when you go as a believer, these signs will follow them that believe. In my name. Hallelujah. There are signs. There are mighty works that are supposed to be done by the believer and much more by the minister also. Hallelujah. Amen. A grace is given to establish believers to do this work with the power that is behind God's own impartation, God's own grace. And we must desire to present ourselves that way. Hallelujah. And be open again and again to the power of God. And be yielded vessels. And expose the church to the power of God. To the various elements of ministry. That bring the power of God. By the grace of God. Hallelujah. And it's not easy to do that. There are a lot of challenges involved. But it must be done. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can see there. All of these thoughts are brought out. As Paul is 
ministering there, speaking there. Thank you, Jesus. Let's see if we can read a thing or two. Um, praise God. I think we read verse 13. Amen. Let's read 14 and 15 also in Canada. Nanna Sahodarare, Nivantu Vulletana Dindalu, Sakala Jnana Dindalu, Tumbidavaragi, Ubari Gobaru, Buddhi Hiru Vadake, Shaktaragi Direndu, Nimma Vishayadali, Nanadu Nishayavundu. Adagyu Sahodarare, Devaru Nanage Kota Krupe in the Yugalanu, Nimma Jnapakake, Taruva Hage, Nanu Undu Vidadali, Hitchu Dairi Dinda, Nimage Baridi Dine. Glory to God. We'll take a small dive into Romans 12 and then come back to 15. Romans 12, notice verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You know, God is begging us actually here, through the Apostle Paul, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. As a priest, as a king, and a priest, this is only a reasonable thing. You expect something from a priest that he is offered as a sacrifice. Amen. Oh, you're a priest. Wow. But you get married. Yeah. You have children. Yeah. But you're a priest. I can see that. There's some signs you can see that this person is a priest. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. And it is because he presented his body. That's the part that needs to be presented. That body where the, you know, fallen nature is, has to be presented as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is the right thing for any priest to do. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's where the work is, in the mind. So engaging the mind with such thoughts again and again. That we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. And then he goes on to say in verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me. So he has a special grace he's referring to again and again. To every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So, he has the ability by the grace of God to say some things that each person should look at themselves closely, examine themselves, and not think more highly than they ought to, but to gauge themselves and see where they are, and based on that to think. It's very high thinking already. You're a child of God. You're a new creature. You're bearing the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is upon you. In His name you minister things that natural people will be wondering. How can you do that? Cast out devils. Lay hands on the sick. Wow. Amazing. It's very high. You're an ambassador. Wow. You're a king. Wow. You're a priest. Wow. Very high. But don't think more highly. Of yourself than you ought to. So there's, a, there's an average thinking that every believer should have. Which is very high. And then as you judge yourself. 
You can say where you are in all of that. And you can have rejoicing in yourself. Whoa, I'm moving forward. I'm not the same. Things are changing in my life. Glory to God. I'm truly seeing the sacrifice that is being accepted to the Lord. Hallelujah. All of these realities are there in those verses. Amen. Let's hear Romans 12, 1 to 3 also in Canada. Adadarinda Savodarare, Nivu Nimma Dehagalanu Parishudavu, Devarige, Mechikeu, Agiruva, Sajiva Yadnavagi, Samarpisa, Bakendu, Devara Karuni in the Nanu Nimmanu Vedikulutene, Ide Nimma Yogiavada Seve Yagide. Ihalo Kavanu, Anusarisa de Uttama Vadadu, Mechikeadadu, Paripurna Vadadu, Agiruva, Devara Chittaven, and Dunivu Vivachisi, Tridukuluvante, Utana Manasan, Hundikundu, Rupantara Gundavaragiri. Nimbolage, Pratiubanu, Tana, Yukete, Viari, Bavisikola, the Devaru, Pratiubanige, Avanavana, Vishwasa, the Pramana Kanusaravagi, Kotente, Tananu, Mitavagi, Tilidukola, Bakendu, Nanagi, Kodan, Patakrupegan, Saravagi, Nanu, Jirutene. Amen. So you can see here that as a person thinks like this, yields to that, God can promote them into what He has for them. Hallelujah. Because he's already on that gradient, he's already on that way. He's on the glide path, so to speak. You know, he's on his way to the target. And God can now bring him into the next level and the next level. And if there's a particular call for his life, it can be manifest. Amen. So it all comes from that checking and sacrificial laying of our own thoughts for his, for the family's benefit. And God can do things. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's what he's saying there. And maybe we can close with uh, verse 15 and 16 in Canada of Romans chapter 15. So Romans 15, verse 15 and 16. Adagyo Savodarare, Devaru Nanage Kotta Krupe in the Yugalanu Nimma Napaka Ketaruva Hage Nano Undu Vidadali Yetu Dairi in the Nimage Baredid Bene. Praise the Lord. We'll have to uh, think about these things today and let us pray. Let us open our hearts up to God and receive the benefits. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks for helping us to Uh, receive mercy and grace to offer our lives up as a living sacrifice uh, by having thoughts from your word, thoughts from your spirit, that our lives will be open to the flame and fire of God, that we will be indeed a light and salt in this earth and for this earth. Glory to God that people can see the gospel and hear the gospel from our lives and we will be a blessing to the body of Christ and to the earth where we are in our location in our boundaries in our times oh holy one that grace can be applied to our lives in greater measures we give you thanks we give you praise hallelujah for your mercy today helping us to identify areas in our lives that need special attention and work so that we can be more and more useful in his family and his kingdom in this day and hour. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. The eyes that, of him that sees everything. 
Oh, our heart is open to you. Thank you for the right thoughts. Thank you for the right scriptures. Thank you for the right desires rising up on the inside so that when we stand before you and enter into that millennium and the age to come, we will do it with great joy. Ha, ha, ha. Glory to God without regrets. In the name of Jesus, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. Thank you, Father, for seeds that are sown in the Spirit, that they are reaping a harvest, that the negatives will not come forth by your mercy in the name of Jesus, but rather the sound spirit realm. Ha, ha. Where things were done in the Spirit, we will receive the harvest thereof in the name of Jesus by the multitude of your mercies and your loving kindnesses we expect. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, great King. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, team. Thank you so much. If you'd like to give us a great opportunity, we will do so in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you all for helping us, and we give in Jesus' name. Amen. Expect, expect good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, that God will cause men and the earth to yield for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're blessed.